Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 112 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest this week is Dean Hall. You can find Dean on all of the major social media platforms. At Swimming in Miracles is where you'll find Dean. Again, that's at Swimming in Miracles. And Dean is the first person in history to swim the entire 184 miles of the Willamette River in Oregon. Oh, by the way, he accomplished this while he had active leukemia and lymphoma. Amazing. I know you're going to enjoy this emotional and inspiring conversation with Dean Hall. Join me now for my conversation with Dean. Dean, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm great, Lee. Thank you for having me. And before we start, I just want to thank you for everything you're doing for the cancer community. In just a couple of years, you've already compiled what I consider to be an important body of work. Uh, so for all of us that have cancer or have had cancer, uh, deepest thanks. Oh, that, that's very kind to you. And, and I appreciate those kind words. And, you know, there's, you, you've heard those, those horrible three words on more than one occasion as, yeah. as have I, hmm. and, uh, if sharing stories like yours can give people some hope and some inspiration, then uh, we've done good work. So that's that's the goal. And uh, exactly. And and you you hold a special place because you're the first person that I initially connected with through Instagram. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad uh, that you found me there and uh, that I, that uh, we were able to make this happen. So uh, I want to kind of start in the middle of your story. Sure. And I saw a quote on your website that I want to ask you about. And it really is the title of your website. And you said, quote, I'm swimming in miracles. That is tell true. me about that. Tell me, tell me about that. Well, August 13th of 2013, I was dying. Uh, and this was the fifth time, uh, since 2007, I was, um, this time it was from leukemia and lymphoma. And uh, I had just lost my wife 15 days before our 30th anniversary um, in October 30th, 2010 from brain cancer, inoperable brain cancer. And uh, the grief of that was so intense that uh, my life really changed more dramatically than it ever had before. I'd been through a lot already. But when I lost Mary, uh, it just was too much. Uh, it was the last straw, so to speak. And uh, 
I thought I knew about grief. The, the funny thing is I'm a marriage and family therapist. Uh, in the Midwest, I was considered a grief expert, had consulted on several magazine articles, had run several seminars on grief until I was dramatically uh, affected and a participant in grief. And then I realized I was no expert at all. And the way that grief affected my mind and my body, I got to a low that I'd never been before. I was standing in front of the mirror and I had, <laughs> after, after uh, my wife died, about, it was in the first six months, I thought I had a spiritual awakening and I gave everything away to the poor. And then I realized, no, it was not really a spiritual awakening. It was just shock. And now I was poor. And so <laughs> I went through all sorts of trials and tribulations, trying to reconcile losing this love that I'd had since I was 20 years old. And I tell everybody when I met Mary, I was 20 going on 12. So we really, <laughs> uh, like most of us men, so I we really grew up together. and. I was standing in front of the mirror. I was down to 159 pounds. I looked like I just walked out of a death camp. You could see every rib. You could see my collarbones. I had no muscle tone left. I, you could see my pelvis. It was just uh, a devastating sight to look in the mirror and really realize I don't recognize myself my lymph nodes, I had leukemia and lymphoma, and my lymph nodes had so swollen in my neck that they had disfigured me. And uh, they were like the largest, most prominent part of my body. And I looked at this guy and he looked so sad and he had red rimmed eyes. And I realized, you know what? I've had a good run. I've had a wonderful love. I've written a book. I've accomplished most of my goals. I've had a wonderful daughter. I've built a thriving business. I've experienced most uh, what most would love to experience in life. If I let leukemia take me, no one would really know. And no one would feel the worse about it or know that it was suicide. And having helped hundreds through suicide over the years, uh, that scared me. And I'd never had a suicidal thought in my life. And even through the first time I battled leukemia, that, that never had really occurred to me. And it shocked me. And I realized how selfish it was because here I had a beautiful 21-year-old daughter and she had just lost her mom just a couple years before. I knew as a therapist that purpose if you give your heart and mind passionately to something, purpose has a way of bringing you back. It has so much power. If you read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search of Meaning, you, you learn that those with a purpose or a deeply held meaning or conviction can withstand so much. And this is what he learned by going through Auschwitz and the death camps but I didn't care about anything. 
And so I literally got on my knees and prayed and asked for a purpose. And I, I tried to use all the things that I'd always used. Uh, I, my faith had always been an important part of my life. And so I searched scriptures for something that I could hold on to. And for two weeks, just nothing. And one day I was looking through my laptop and I was on Yahoo homepage and Einstein's quote came across it. There are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle and the other is as if everything's a miracle. I was at such a state that I would like to say being the deeply spiritual and humble seeker that I am, uh, it just rang bells. Actually, if I was honest, what happened was I uttered a few bitter, sarcastic curse words and slammed my laptop shut. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I was just that lost. But it was what I call a Velcro quote. It just stuck to my heart and mind. It just nagged at me. It took me, Lee, it took me about four days. Uh, maybe I'm a little slow. I don't know. But it took me about four days th it, before the light bulb went on. And I thought, what, what if this is the answer to my prayer? What if this is what I've been seeking? And I had to reconcile the fact that maybe Einstein was a little smarter than me. And so I thought, okay, if a guy like Einstein says this, and it's a deeply held belief, not just some glib, trite statement, because they didn't even have motivational posters back then. So he wasn't doing it for PR. Maybe I should give this a trial run. And I felt like I had nothing to lose. So I decided to give it a two-week trial run. And within two days, I it, everything had changed. I, I still couldn't get my head wrapped around how what was the miracle in losing my wife, but uh, I could at least consider that I know my perception and my awareness is so limited that maybe there was a miracle in the making. And uh, I'm kind of, I, I was a public school teacher for 20 years. Uh, I've got so I was, my misspent youth was all in college. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got several degrees and one, one of my friends calls me the general because I've got so many majors and uh, <laughs> my first degree is in religion philosophy, uh, but then I've also got um, majors in sociology, psychology, and world history. Yeah. Cause I just didn't know what I wanted to do and school was fun and easy. And, and I'm kind of a geek when it comes to science and the body. And so when I would uh, feel like this is preposterous, because I made the mistake of telling some of my friends, everything's a miracle. And they're like, yeah, just like when you gave away all your possessions to the poor, Dean, we've seen you do this before. And so I just started to quietly try to commit to this thing. Because I, you know, I had had some highs and during these desperate lows. And so when I was really having a tough time giving my whole heart to this, I would look up fascinating facts of the human body. And it would really 
confirm for me, I know nothing about how the world works, how my, how even my body works. Um, did you know, Lee, <laughs> I'm going to bore uh, you now. Um, I, I feel like the, I'm gonna, now suddenly a Jeopardy congested. Yeah, congested. yeah, no, I'll, I'll answer the question for you. Um, if you take your circulatory system all the way from the aorta, which is your largest blood vessel, down to the capillaries, which are so minute that you have to wrap five of them together just to be the length or the, the width of a fiber optic, that if you take all of those and put them end to end, you can wrap the average adult human's circulatory system around the world twice. Whoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's just so much going on in our bodies that to me, it's, it's miraculous that we're even able to get up and even more in the morning and even more miraculous that we take it for granted. And so I just started imagining at first it took that imagining that everything's a miracle. Even if the guy in front of me is texting and making me miss the green light, how could that be a miracle? And I don't know if you know it, but brain researchers have proven that the brain by its very nature has to answer every question you pose. And so I found very quickly that I was asking all the wrong questions. And once I started asking, how is this a miracle? Or what are the miracles around me? There were so many around me every moment of every day that I was literally swimming in them. And so that's how that started. What a way to get, get, get regrounded, I guess, is, is, is the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, to, to, to get regrounded. But swimming has another meaning. It does. I I so, during I don't know this if that time was coincidental or totally intentional, but yeah, uh, no, swimming not at has played a swimming has played a major part in your story. It really has because after about three or four days of this, I ran across a journal I kept when I was twelve years old. And I thought I was one of those really mature, very thoughtful, very intelligent kids. If you ever make that mistake, if you're like me, all you have to do is read an old journal <laughs> and it dispels all myths. But uh, I'm reading this journal and uh, thankfully, of course, you know, back in the early 70s, we didn't have bucket lists, but I had a dream list that I entitled a have to list. And on the top of the have-to list was swim the English Channel. And again, it was one of those Velcro kind of ideas. It didn't make sense. Uh, you know, at the time, I'm 54. At the time, I'm really losing the fight against leukemia and lymphoma. At the time, I have very little money. At the time, you know, it, it just made i'm i'm not in shape at all haven't been swimming for over a year and the reason i haven't been swimming for over a year is i decided to really feel like myself in june of 2012 and so i swam across a lake in oklahoma just just to prove to my daughter and me i'm coming back and i got viral meningitis 
and almost died. Went out of my head, lost three days, was in ICU for eight uh, because I, I was in Oklahoma. I didn't do the math. Oklahoma doesn't have any natural lakes. They're all man-made. It's 110 degrees out. They're like Petri dishes of bacteria. Mm. And I didn't wear a nose clip uh, because I never really have. And the blue-green algae went up my nose and straight to my brain. So that's why I hadn't been swimming, Lee. Um, (laughs) That would scare anybody away from it. (laughs) Yeah. I often see people posting in the various Facebook groups talking about their struggle to stay hydrated. And if that applies to you, you should check out H2ORS. H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution. It's a medically accepted alternative to IV hydration. So for those of you who are struggling with this issue of staying hydrated, either due to an ostomy or perhaps chemotherapy, H2ORS is something for you to consider. It'll really help replenish your fluids and electrolyte levels. As a matter of fact, it has three times the electrolytes of most of the popular sports drinks without the excess sugar, artificial flavor, or artificial colors. My buddy Chris Shaw over at H2ORS is offering listeners of the podcast an opportunity to try a free sample of H2ORS. All you need to do is just go to their site, h2ors.com forward slash sample, and they'll ship a free sample out to you, no strings attached. And when you're ready to make your first purchase at h2ors.com, if you use the coupon code CCPOD, they'll give you 10% off your first order. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. What I found interesting is, you know, when you looked at that journal, you there was a quote that I saw and it said, don't wait for your dreams to make sense. Yeah. yeah. What is what did what did that mean to you? Well, I looked at everything on my have-to list, and on all the things on my have-to list, there were 20. Guess how many I'd done, and by this time, I was 54. I'll go right in the middle, 10. Yeah, I I wish I could say that, eight. (laughs) Eight. And my wife and I, our first year of marriage, made the same kind of list, and we'd only done two. And losing someone like that and almost dying so many times myself, I guess I'm a slow learner, Lee, but I I realized we don't have an unlimited number of days. If you've got a passion or a dream, you better make plans to do it now because two things will happen if you do. Number one, your life will become full of possibility that you can never guess. Even in your wildest imagination, I would not have guessed what would happen if I started swimming Um, again, even though my doctor has absolutely told me not to. But then the second thing is every time you accomplish a dream, it makes you more of an active participant in life and it makes you more confident and It shows you that you can accomplish these things. You don't have to wait till you're 65 and on some kind of retirement plan. Uh, I think it's almost, you know, I was always taught it's the responsible choice to work hard, make a lot of money, wait till you're 65, then have fun. 
I now believe that's the most irresponsible thing you can do. One of my favorite quotes is by Leonard Bernstein. Uh, he says, to achieve anything great, you only need two things, a plan and not quite enough time. <laughs> and the reason that means so much to me is I've, I've finally realized what I want everyone to realize. None of us have quite enough time. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Wow. But you did so much more than quote unquote swim. You did something and I had to do a double take when I read it that while you were dealing with leukemia and lymphoma, you set a record. That I something did. That had never been done before. Yeah. I started, was, I started swimming and I was going to swim the English channel and uh, within a couple months, I started August 15th of uh, 2013. And then by November, all my numbers were going in the right direction. I was starting to gain weight and muscle and feel and look a little more like myself. The activity was moving the lymph system. I don't know how much you know about the lymph system, Lee, but uh, it doesn't, it, there are tiny sacs throughout our blood veins that filter all the infection and bacteria. And the only way they're like little pumps, little strainers, and the only way those lymph nodes move and are able to pump is when we're moving. And so I didn't know that when I started swimming, but the activity got those babies moving. And so even the swelling went down a little bit, not as much as I would have liked it. I still look like Quasimodo, but it, it got it moving. Well, by November, uh, my head even started to clear from some of the intense grief. And it, it occurred to me, who cares if another middle-aged man puts on a Speedo and swims to France? It does the world no good. And in my case, it's not even a pretty picture. So, <laughs> so I started asking myself, what could I do to follow this dream, but do the world something that's of benefit, something bigger than just me, because I've spent my life trying to help folks both as a teacher and then as a therapist. And, and it, it really isn't very motivating for me to do something and make it about me. And very quickly, I learned that, you know, I I'm a native Oregonian, was born only blocks away from the Willamette River. For those of you that don't know, the Willamette River is 187 miles long. It's our state's longest river. And it's really what I call the mother river of Oregon because it cuts through our state capital and then our largest city, Portland, and dumps into uh, one of the biggest rivers in the world, the Columbia. And it's just this beautiful thing. And it wasn't in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, it got so polluted that uh, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, the running joke was if uh, Jesus had chosen to walk across the Willamette, it wouldn't have been a miracle. <laughs> and because it was so, there was so much scum and pollution on the top. Um, but our state has worked so hard to clean it up that now it's, it's very clean and, and uh, a beautiful river. I found that no one had swum the entire length. 
And so I got the crazy idea. What if I become a first, but not only the first person to swim it, do it while still an active cancer patient. It would not only show my daughter that I'm probably going to have a good chance at living at least for a while longer, but also it would show other cancer patients what I think one of the most important things to know is, and that is they don't have to give up their dreams or their drive simply because they've received a diagnosis. And so that's what I did. And um, June 2nd of 2014, I stepped into the water. It was 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, Thankfully, I had a three mil wetsuit, Um, but it was still so cold and I was so skinny that I was getting uh, what they call deep core throttle every 30 to 45 minutes, uh, hypothermia, pretty severe hypothermia. And we'd have to get me out and walk me around on the riverbank until I'd warm up and get back in. I swam three to five marathons a day for 22 days. And on June 27th, I became the first person in history to swim the entire length of the Willamette River. Wow. What went through your head when you stepped out on the last day? Uh, So many things, Lee. Uh, The second to last day was Mary's birthday. And so it was a huge day of just crying into the water and releasing all of that pain and doing it in a way that felt like a tribute to her, but then also kind of private for me because I was face down in the water. And if my eyes are wet, nobody knows, right? And so, and then, and it rained all day and was very, one of those Portland gray rainy days. And so it felt like I felt inside. The last day, the sun came out and the wind changed direction. So it was at our back. And we had these little sweet two-foot rollers just kind of gently easing me into the Columbia. It was just overwhelmingly wonderful. It felt like the end of a terrible time and the beginning of a new one. Do you think Mary had something to do with that? Oh, of course. I I believe she did. Yeah. I, I felt her with me the whole time. Yeah. And not only was she with me, there are two... Uh, Much more than the world record, there are two parts of the story that I find better. One is in order to swim in open water like that, you need a kayaker or a guide boater because you can see uh, 10 to 20 feet in front of you, but the danger is 30 to 40 yards in front of you. And so you need somebody guiding you through those waters And so my 79-year-old father, who was a two-time cancer survivor himself, paddled the whole 187 miles in front of me. And so it was this beautiful, we realized we'd never spent this much time around the clock together our whole lives. And it it was like this beautiful rite of passage. It was, that in and of itself was very healing. The other part to my story that I love to tell, and this is what happens, Lee, when I I believe people follow their dreams no matter what, 
is the first blood test I took after I got out of the river, the leukemia was gone. Mm. And the doctors were shocked because the type of leukemia that I had, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, is never supposed to go away. And I go down to University of California, San Diego, to one of the world's top leading authorities, Dr. Castro. Uh, and, and he's like uh, one of the most noted experts on chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And he was just stunned. He said, Dean, if I had not tested you myself, I would think you'd been misdiagnosed because I've done this for 30 years and I've never seen this happen. Another miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're all around us all the time. So tell me about today. First and foremost, how's your health? Uh, Robust. Uh, The lymphoma was kind of stubborn. It just wouldn't go away. And I became really fascinated as a therapist with what happened to my grief and to my body spending this 22 days in the river. And there's a new type of psychology called eco-psychology. It's the study of the healing effect of nature on the mind and body. And then there's a, a guy named Wallace J. Nichols who I just, I'm like a little fangirl about um, uh, this guy. He's written a book. He's a marine biologist from Southern California. And he noticed when he'd go out on the water, everything would change and he'd be really relaxed. And any anxiety or depression that he'd ever felt would just kind of wash away. And after he get back on land, it'd last a couple of days, but then come back. And so he started having psychologists and even neurologists study this. And he developed something he called the blue mind. And uh, for about the last 10 years, he wrote a book about four or five years ago called The Blue Mind. And uh, they have absolutely proven that when we're in, on, around, by, or underwater, the brain changes, and so does the way the body reacts. It's just a naturally instinctive sigh of relief. And so studying these things, what I started doing, the Japanese have something they call forest bathing. It's called Yorin Shoku. I probably mispronounced that. I apologize to all Japanese speakers out there. Um, but uh, this forest bathing, they, they haven't found exactly, they haven't isolated what happens when you're in a pine or fir forest. But if you spend any time, they found it boosts your immune system. And living in Oregon, only uh, half an hour away from the Mount Hood National Wilderness, I started taking my backpacking hammock up every Thursday night and spending the entire night out just trying to force bathe because my doctors wanted me to do chemo and radiation for my lymphoma. And I said, give me a year. If it gets worse, I will do whatever you want me to do, but give me a year. I'm going to do this experiment on myself. And so every Thursday night, I would spend the entire night out in the wilderness in, a, in just pristine uh, pine and fir forest. 
And then every morning I jump into the Sandy River and it was just barely above freezing because I'm only two miles from the glacier. So I get in this glacial water and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Wim Hof. Have you heard of, no, he's, a guy, he's a madman from the Netherlands. Look him up. He okay. holds 26 records on tolerance to cold. And he's proven that the body, when immersed in cold water, uh, it boosts the immune system and the metabolism. As a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Castro, as much he scratched his head on this thing, as much as he can figure out as to why my body uh, bounced back from leukemia like it did, is I was in hypothermia almost all the time for 22 days. And wow. this, the um, Dutch scientists have studied Wim Hof and have come to the same kind of conclusion about the immune system, not necessarily about cancer, big disclaimer there. Um, I, and please understand, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not encouraging anyone to do what I've done. Um, but I went out every Thursday night and this, I started this May 15th of 2015 and by March of 2016, the lymphoma was gone. Hmm. And so I, I enjoyed it so much that even though I'm healthy now, every Thursday night, I I'm like Pavlov's dog. I'm, I'm slobbering, (laughs) can't wait to get out there. The other thing I'm doing now is, uh, we went to um, Ireland in June of 2017. The longest river over in the British Isles is in Ireland. It's called the River Shannon. My great-grandmother was Irish. And so Ireland has always seemed like the land of magic and dreams to me. And so I thought if I could swim a river anywhere, I'd love to swim one in Ireland. And so we went over and it took me 27 days because there was no flow in the river. It's just a series of lakes pretty much. And we had a 30, uh, 20 to 30 mile an hour headwind all but three days. And so I had to just scrape for every inch. But after 27 days, I became the first person in history to swim the entire length of the River Shannon. And the fun thing for me was uh, the reason I was doing it is I was trying to develop awareness and raise money for the Childhood Cancer Foundation of Ireland and had a wonderful time doing that. And what do you do professionally now? I am still a marriage and family therapist. And I'm doing much more speaking, telling my story. And uh, then I'm doing some coaching online. But I'm still in my office here in Portland, Oregon, three days a week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. How did this whole experience, uh, Dean, you know, from the grief of Mary's passing to your, your illness and the swimming, how has that impacted you as a therapist today? I, um, I don't know if you actually think you're humble, if you really are. <laughs> but I always thought I was kind of a modest, humble guy. I've never thought I was any kind of big shot. Um, but I realize a couple things. I realize we were, I believe, we were all uh, born for greatness. 
I believe we are much more limitless than we would ever guess. If I can do these things, especially while still an active cancer patient, anybody can do anything. And uh, having been so broken and knowing uh, the uh, kind of the process of grief so intimately, intellectually, and then making every mistake in the book and being just a real jerk at times, it broke me to the point, Lee, that I feel like um, kind of the Grinch who stole Christmas. Not that I, I, I don't like to think of myself as the Grinch before all this, but I, I like to think that uh, being so broken enlarged my heart. I, I can't, I don't approach therapy very intellectually much anymore. I just sit and listen. And most of my clients don't even know my story. They walk in, I'm just a guy. They didn't even pick me, a lot of them, because I work at an agency still. And, but somewhere in the first or se- second session, uh, they say, I don't know why, Dean, but I know you know how I feel. And so once you've been through what we've been through, Lee, you you don't have to give out your resume to folks. They feel uh, a depth of compassion or understanding that doesn't come when you haven't gone through this or something of this kind of gravity. It makes total sense. Well, Dean, what an incredible story and and uh, and uh, inspiring and just uh, you know there's there's so many lessons there, and I know our listeners are gonna come back and uh, not just listen once, but probably come back and listen to this a couple of times because uh, it really is an incredible story. Where can people? Well, find they can you find online? me on my website uh, www.swimminginmiracles.com. But the main place I'm hanging out now because I'm having so much fun. I've tried to network through just about every cancer society imaginable. And I think they're all just so busy that a lot of times the networking really doesn't happen the way I wanted it to. But I'm I'm finding guys like you, uh, kind of kindred spirits, um, people that have been through a lot and uh, are seeing what they can offer with the time they have left. I'm having so much fun. That's probably one of the easiest ways to get a hold of me. And, and so if any... On Instagram, on, on at, Instagram, and it's uh, at Swimming in Miracles. And so uh, if any of them have questions or would like me to speak to their group or help them through a time, I, I'd be delighted to do so. But I guess before we end, the one thing I want everybody to know, and, and some people hate it when I say this, but it's entirely honest. My story is special because I am not. I'm just an ordinary guy. And if I can do it, if I can recover from cancer, you can too. If I can follow my dreams when I'm at my lowest lows, you can too. (laughs) Hear, hear. Yeah. Hear, hear. Well, Dean, thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time. I really appreciate you initiating this uh, Mm. uh, via Instagram. I know 
I'm I'm inspired, and uh, you you've certainly uh, taught me mm. a number of lessons. I hope the day comes that our paths cross yeah. in real life, face to face, someday. But uh, even if it doesn't, I know that you know my life is is richer having had this opportunity to chat with you, and I greatly greatly appreciate. Oh, it. Oh, thank you so much, Lee, and and the uh, same back at you. Just uh, everything you're doing shows your heart, and and we can't leave it to chance. We got to make it happen. Let's let's meet. That works for me. Be well, my friend, and you as well. Wow, such an inspiring story that Dean shared. I, I was just touched by so much that he talked about, just the adversity that he's overcome, not only with his own cancer experience, but also, you know, having his wife pass away from brain cancer shortly before their 30th anniversary and be able to work through that and overcome, you know, those challenges and take on the physical challenges that he's faced. Uh, I just found it so, so inspiring, and I'm sure you did too. Previous episodes, if you, in case you missed uh, episode 111, I interviewed Dr. Karen Hehenberger, co-founder and CEO of Lifebulb, L-Y-F-E-B-U-L-B, a wonderful organization doing great work to support those dealing with chronic illness, specifically diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease, MS, and cancer. Check them out at lifebulb.com, and you can check out that episode at wehavecancershow.com forward slash 111. Prior to Dr. Hehenberger, we had on the show in episode 110, uh, Terry Grieg, Terry is a stage four colon cancer survivor and Ironman triathlete, truly inspired by Terry's story. And episode 109, Giovanna Portillo, who talked about how a car accident actually saved her life. You can find all of these episodes and more at wehavecancershow.com. You can find us on social media uh, at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter and on the We Have Cancer Show Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us. Be well, everyone. There are several exciting Get Your Rear in Gear events coming up on the calendar. The proceeds from all of these events do go to benefit the Colon Cancer Coalition. Starting this Saturday, for our friends out in Muscatine, Iowa, is the Get Your Rear Rolling 80s Bowling event. This is taking place at Rose Bowl on Grandview Avenue. Flipping the calendar into February on Saturday, February 23rd, is the first Get Your Rear in Gear 5k run walk and kids fun run and this one is starting in austin texas at camp mabry at texas national guard the following day on sunday february 24th out in tucson arizona is their 5k run walk this is at omni tucson national resort into march March 2nd, we've got the Get Your Rear and Gear 5K Run, Walk, and Kids Fun Run taking place at Fort Worth, Texas at Trinity Park Pavilion Number 1. Also on Saturday, March 2nd, in Savannah, Georgia, is the 5K Run, Walk, and Kids Fun Run. This is taking place at 225 Candler Drive in Savannah, Georgia. On Sunday, March 3rd in San Antonio is your 5K Run, Walk, and Kids Fun Run. This is taking place at Morgan's Wonderland. And those are the upcoming 
Colon Cancer Coalition events taking place over the next six weeks. Hope to see you out there. For more information on all of these events, visit the Colon Cancer Coalition website at coloncancercoalition.org forward slash events. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsors, H2ORS and the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.